coming to you live from deep within a windy and rainy and also sometimes sunny radioactive meme land. We are the survivors of the alt-right popocalypse. The few, the brave, the bitchy, once more wading into battle against the lobster hordes with Rent Zerker. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson appealing? Question mark. Liz Plank Femsplains, which I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not Rant Zerker 113. It is. It is? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? I did How a... can it be only 113? I'm, I thought it was like 117B slash no. 90s. No, the last one we did was 112, which was the uh, testy um, something or other. Something about okay. testicles. I remember so I just want to announce much. that we're doing a fundraiser for the Erasing Families documentary to be held in Saskatoon. October 12th. That's this month in Saskatoon. I'm going to be there. Brian's going to be there. Lindsay's going to be there. Karen's going to be there. And we'll do a little... Wait. Uh, uh, what? And what, 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 what? And JoJo's going to be there. And Jojo, oh my Jojo's god. JoJo's going to be there? I'm yes. totally bringing Borat. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I actually have okay. a, uh, there's a, I found a hotel in Saskatoon that takes dogs, no extra charge. I also found one in Fargo that takes dogs. Jo- Jojo's coming with us. So. You know, I will say, I will say the Sheraton in Chicago, in yeah, Sheraton O'Hare, um, they are a pet friendly hotel. Yes. There were there were many dogs there. Um, not just dogs owned by people who were attending our conference, but dogs owned by the other guests. And and uh, I actually had a very nice chat with a, a staff member in the lobby about how they feel about pets. And he said something like, well, they never keep anybody up playing loud music and they don't put cigarette burns in the bedding. So mm. uh, we're, we're pet friendly. So yeah. Until they invent a dog cigarette. So yeah, Jojo's coming. I just hope he can go to the screening. I'm not really sure about that part, but, mm, but he is coming but... up to Saskatoon. Okay. So he's going to come up. So we'll have a badger meet and we'll have a screening We'll have lots of fun. So if you're interested in helping us fund that, you can go to feedthebadger.com and put a few shekels in the hat. You can also get tickets. And there, I can actually, you know what? I do not think I popped you a ticket link there, Brian, but I will do so now. You can also get tickets. They're up at Eventbrite. Uh, It's a Saskatoon Erasing Families at Eventbrite. So you can put that in and and get to that and get some tickets. Because we want to see you. We want to make this happen. And um, if we if we can actually get this funded tonight, it's uh, it's about six hundred and thirty five dollars away from being funded for this part of the fundraiser. And if we could get that funded tonight, maybe we could do an extra half hour. I, I know that Karen is in pain. So oh, my God. My I, so that is always is just a, like that's always a delight but- for me. To to increase her agony. Oh my scapula! Oh my coccyx! Oh my uvula! Oh whatever body parts sound vaguely dirty. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, goodness. No, I, no. I think I actually may have suffer. suffer. I think I actually may have cracked my spa- scapula um, a week ago when I had my took my fall. I took a fall. It was, okay, uh, I requested that Brian put the link to the tickets in the low bar, so please do go and purchase a ticket if you're able to come to Saskatoon and see us. And uh, 
I think we should start with this. Okay. You know, I'm sorry if the colors look weird. I'm applying filters because we're actually going to be responding to a video. Um, it's from uh, The Hill, and it's, it's hosted by someone named Crystal Ball. I am not kidding. That's the actual name. And the guest is I've someone. I've heard of her before. Yeah. And I've the... <laughs> heard... I think I've tangled with her before. Oh, yeah? It sounds like, it sounds like, uh. Yeah. Somebody that someone would it sounds like with. a porn it's, name. It does. It? it does. Yeah. Um. But Ooh. yeah, Crystal Ball and but, but she's not the important guest. Her guest is Liz Plank, another name that I'm swear to God I'm not making up. Um. So we're gonna see what Plank and Crystal Ball have to say uh, about uh, masculinity and and in a way Jordan Peterson, but it's not really about him. So let's just get into it, I guess. Nine of the Democratic presidential candidates are planning to participate in a town hall focusing on LGBTQ issues. Gender equality, of course, is a major priority for many of the candidates and has been a somewhat controversial issue under the Trump administration. In her new book, For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity, journalist and author Liz Plank explores gender roles in our society and the inequality that still exists. We got a banana. We got a banana. Yeah, I was just All about right. to. I was just about to. I just wanted her to finish the sentence, but she just was like, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Liz Plank. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ms. Introducing Ms. Liz, Ms. Liz Plank. Yeah. <laughs> for the love of men. Okay. For the, for the love, love of, men. of men. Should I go back and we can look at that title again? Hold on. Uh, a new vision for mindful masculinity. Mindful. Mindful. Ooh, that mindful. Means, that means yeah. know your role, man. Yeah. Stay in your lane, masculinity. So. Yeah. All right. Shall we continue? Oh, yes. sure. Uh, let's, okay. Let's, let's keep let's, going. Let's, let's wait until she says something stupid, which will be pretty soon, I think. There's gender roles in our society and the inequality that still exists. And Liz joins me now to discuss the book and why she decided to write it. Great to see you, lady. Great to Congrats. see you, too. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So why did, why now for this? Yeah. Can I just what, hey, what, 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 what the fuck was that? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I've, I've um, listened to my share of uh, feminist podcasts, and I can tell you that that kind of gushing is very common. It's, oh God! It just reminds me of my boyfriend's personality disordered extended family, right? You know where it's like it's Thanksgiving and they're like, and it's just so beautiful and wonderful. I can just to be together. I can feel the love in the room. It's just so great. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, I you're not fooling anyone. We all know you hate each other. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it's under the surface of all of this is there is the uh, the brutal truth of the matter that feminism creates a situation where yeah, women are basically in a tournament and the they have to be the one. There can only be one central victim. I just I just no, but I like I just this kind of like oh yeah, thank you for having me. You know, like it's <laughs> it, it's it it's like it's just so fake. It's it's just so insincere. It's mm -hmm. just like I I'm like the the gushing, the the effusiveness, right? All of that. It, it's just like it's so saccharine and fake. And yeah. uh 
And they're they're both kind of like because once Liz Plank said, "Oh, thank you so much for having me," <laughs> right? Then the other one was like, "Oh, I'm so happy to have you here," right? Yeah. And it it's just like, what? Yeah, why don't they communicate just, like us? <laughs> can't can't we just talk like normal people? Like, what what? I know she she here? acts like. It's it's it sounds phony because it sounds like she just happened to be in the neighborhood and just happened to stop by with like, you know, uh, like some extra cookies that she baked or something. And it's a surprise visit. We know that they've been planning this in advance for a long time to have her on the show. And so it just that's how, you know, it's phony. It's like when when there's like a late night uh, talk show, like, a, um, you know, pick your like a Seth Meyers or whatever. And then the guest comes on and they're acting like. Like the entire conversation is so random, like none of it is scripted and none of it is like purposefully so they can plug some movie or a book or a TV show or some other product. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it just it's just really fake. All right, guys, come on. Give us five bucks. Let's see the badger dot com. No, 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 no. I want to read her summary, but I just want to encourage people go to feed the badger dot com because it, you know. Just, just be the first person to give us five bucks and I'll announce you on the air. But I want to read the summary for for Love of Men because it is, uh, it'll, it'll give us a sense of where she's coming from. All right. <laughs> <laughs> for Love of Men, a new vision for mindful masculinity, Liz Plank. A nonfiction, nonfiction. If it involves feminism, it's definitely fiction, my friend. (laughs) A nonfiction investigation into masculinity for the love of men provides actionable steps for how to be a man in the modern world while also exploring how being a man in the world has evolved. Actionable steps for how to be a man. So essentially, she's saying that men is performative and she wants to be the one writing the performance yeah to dictate the actionable steps she wants to script it for these guys yeah she wants to script it so liz plank is putting in her her uh her her bid to be men's overseer uh or director perhaps choreographer choreographer there we go so she's just doing what men what women usually do she just made a book about it well, yes, of course she's doing what women usually do, except her twist is that she denies that women do it or that men actually respond to it. Even as she was this hilarious thing is that there there is sort of a there, there, there is a marketplace for women to tell men how to men. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's exploiting it. But the women who do that insist that men don't listen to women and, in fact, hate them and want to oppress them. Which is really remarkable because he, there he's she's essentially appealing to something that she says does not exist. But let's continue. Yeah. In 2019, traditional masculinity is both rewarded and sanctioned. Men grow up being told that boys don't cry and girls dolls are for girls. <laughs> A newer phenomenon that you might than you might realize: gendered toys come back in vogue as recently as the eight. 1980s. Okay, well, this is far more important than the idea of uh, presenting men as sexual predators and pedophiles, and uh, that that being a the teacher is not for men because of that. But you know, let's let's get the boys let's get the boys dolls, and then we'll just take the real thing away from them and call them pedophiles. They learn yeah. that they must hide their feelings and anxieties. Their their masculinity must constantly be proven. 
For Love of Men provides actionable steps for how to be a man in the modern world. They learned they must hide their feelings and anxieties, that their masculinity must constantly be proven. Is there some sort of difference between presenting masculinity as something that has to be proven and presenting a list of actions men have to take? Yeah, I know. It's it's like, here's the thing, right? You know, it, everybody, and I think Tom Golden and Tim Goldich and, and all of these, you know, guys who've been studying this for a long time, right? They, they talk about precarious masculinity. They talk about the fact that masculinity needs to be constantly be proven. It needs to be constantly be, um, constantly be, uh, vetted, right. Mm -hmm. That, that, you know, that you, you, you essentially, uh, you have certain things that you are required to do. You have certain things that you're allowed to do and you have certain things that you're forbidden from doing. And of course, Right. That this I don't think any of us are going to argue that that doesn't exist as a way of policing men's roles. And I don't think any of us would argue that it's only women who impose this on men. I think that all of us would agree that both men and women uh, and both boys and girls impose these these things on uh, men and boys. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, like, but. I think, you know, there's a, there's a difference between someone like Sean T. Smith, right. Who was at the conference uh, in Chicago. Right. And what was his message? It wasn't how to man, right. It was how to pick, pick women who woman, right. You know, how to pick women who are, sincere, honest, loyal, uh, not fickle, right? Who, who are not high maintenance, right? How, mm -hmm. how to vet the women in your life, right? So that they, so that when you invite a woman into your life, she will actually be a good woman for you, right? And she won't fuck you over, right? That was his suggestion. It wasn't his suggestion wasn't necessarily, you know, go hit the gym and get a six pack and then like learn a bunch of pickup artist techniques and, you know, and walk the, the straight and narrow line of masculinity. It was like, just be, just actually be choosy about the women you involve yourself with. Right. So I think that this, this sort of, um, you know, she's going to give a, uh, a list of things that men should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. You yep. know, like if if it's like I'm I'm guessing that you know, okay, the edict from on high or from society or from everybody is that boys don't cry, right? So now boys must cry, right? Yeah. I don't think that she wants them to cry either. Like, to be quite honest. Um, I don't think this a woman like her like just. Judging. I think she does want them to cry because then she can use her male tears coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, she can gather them up in her male tears coffee mug and have a, you know, a salted have a nice uh, sip. Yeah, salted soy caramel latte or some shit. Um, no, yeah. I, I I think so. Yeah, you're you're probably right about that. But in I think that she herself is a woman too weak to handle a man who cries or who is sad genuinely. She's too weak to actually handle male vulnerability. 
it would crush her psychologically. And that's I, why she's presenting a list of how men should be strong for her. All right. Well, let's get to the list then. All right. Well, we won't get to the list because that means I have to buy her book, which, you know, I might. Well, we can well, move. Maybe, maybe she'll maybe she'll give, give us, us some of the items. Yeah, okay, let, let's get to the rest of the summary. How's that? And then I will do the shout out to everybody who, who actually listened to me. I'm go put some money in the hat. They must be the breadwinners. She's talking about men now. They must be the breadwinners. They must be romantic pursuers. This hasn't been good for culture at large. 99% of school shooters are male. Men in fraternities are 300% more likely to commit rape. I need a citation for that one. A woman serving in uniform has a higher likelihood of being assaulted by a fellow soldier than killed by enemy fire. That one I can actually speak to. So does a man in uniform. He has a greater likelihood of being assaulted by an enemy soldier. By a fellow enemy, soldier. By a fellow soldier, a fellow female soldier, or a fellow, or a actually a female civilian, as he does being killed by enemy fire. And the reason why is because it's actually fairly, it's not, it's it's not that common for soldiers to die in enemy fire anymore. It's it's not as is not as yeah. it's not like World War Two or World War One. Yeah, it's a lot less common for that to happen, and it's a lot more common for uh, soldiers to sexually people, assault each other. People, people to, to experience assault. interpersonal violence. Yeah, in general, and, and uh, but this is never mentioned. I mean, it's equally legitimate to say a man serving in uniform has a higher likelihood of being assaulted by a fellow female soldier than being killed by enemy fire. That's equally valid as what she said here. But, you know, that so I don't know where she's getting. She's coming for that. It's a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with how traditional masculinity impacts the mental health of men and everything to do on how it impacts society and women well i don't even need to say society how it impacts women in for love of men liz offers a smart insightful and deeply researched guide for what we're all going to do about toxic masculinity for both women looking mm. to guide the men in their lives and men who want to do it better and just don't know how for the love of men will lead the conversation on men's issues oh, men's issues oh you oh. in a society where so much is changing but gender roles, gender roles have remained strangely sag stagnant. What are we going to do about men? Liz Plank has the answer and has the possibility to change the world for men and women alike. Uh, okay, well. But it's definitive proof that when they talk about toxic masculinity, they mean men are a burden on women. That's what they mean. Yeah, yeah but... Okay, let's so, let's move on with the okay. interview. Let's move on with the interview. Wait, I have to do the shout out first. Okay, okay. So, okay, all right. I want to thank. I, I have to get these people up. I want to thank uh, Bell. I think it was Bella Wright. Ooh, um, Bella Arts. And I can't tell the I can't tell the names. Sorry, guys, because they're they're extremely difficult. Um, and, uh, I want to type it out and I could read it. Polaris. Now you usually send something in. Thank you, Polaris. And I want to thank Adam L. Thank you. And, uh, and we can go forward. We can, we can continue, but please do go okay. to feed the badger and put some 
money in the hat. I think we got over a thousand now. We were at nine hundred and something. No, we're at no. It's not showing up right. Okay, just give me a second. Yeah, it's it hasn't caught up yet. So uh, there's yeah. a little lag on the website uh, that you can't really see. We're still at fifty seven percent here. Well, I can check yeah. back in a bit. I can check back in a yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll check back in a bit. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you, um, Bella and uh, and Adam and uh, Polaris, which I, I don't think that's your real name. So there you go. Okay. Let us continue. I remember back, uh, maybe 2011, I was in a Fox News green room with Rick Santorum. Okay. And I was telling him about a project I was working on to help more women to get into politics. Wow. And he said, well, I'm worried about the men. And my reaction was like, what? Yeah. Like, it kind of grossed me out, honestly. Mm. But there's... Okay. Oh, oh, it grossed her out. Okay, I got no love for Rick Santorum. I thought when Dan Savage decided to Google bomb Rick Santorum, the, the, the word Santorum, um, and get all of his readers to... Uh, put entries on their various websites and forums and social media accounts, right? That Santorum is the frothy, that frothy mix of lube and uh, feces that is sometimes the unwanted byproduct of anal sex. <laughs> Gross. Okay. And that became the first entire first page of hits when anybody googled the name santorum mm -hmm. um that that was the first page of hits because you know he was very anti-gay anti-same-sex marriage and and then it turned out that uh you know he got caught apparently soliciting uh soliciting gay sex in a public bathroom Okay, so, I mean... Imagine my shock. I know, right? So I got nothing... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a supporter of Rick Santorum and Rick Santorum's politics, but, right, to say that, you know, Rick Santorum is worried about men in politics, that that's gross... That, that's a little weird. I, I think that what she's trying to do is because Rick Santorum is generally unpopular, especially today, um, she's just connecting men's what about the men, which is that, you know, that sort of feminist meme. She's connecting that to Rick Santorum so people will have a disgust reaction to someone saying what about men or I'm worried about men because that's something yeah, that, that he would say, right? So. Well, I think I don't I don't even know whether he would say that. Right. You know, I, yeah, I mean, this is but, just her, what she's saying. So we don't know. But she's she's choosing a a person that is generally viewed, at least in liberal. OK, would you stop it? Both of you. You <laughs> stop walking and you stop clacking. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my. Oh, God. It's just nothing but toenails here. Um, but it's like, this is somebody that everybody agrees and like, other than like Todd Aiken, right? Everybody agrees. Rick Santorum is the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. Right. And Todd Aiken is only the worst of the worst because he said, Oh, when a woman is raped, her body has ways of shutting pregnancy down. 
Okay, if it's, well, a, if it's a legitimate rape. So she's right? basically just smearing the idea that that men, they, somebody, she's oh, associated it with somebody who's been completely discredited in her circles. Yeah, yeah. So basically, she just she just associated the idea of caring about men's issues with somebody she finds appalling. All right, and uh, and to be honest, I, I actually would have some sympathy for somebody who has tremendous hatred uh, towards some aspect of themselves to the point where they engage in this kind of hypocrisy. Well, I mean, I have I have a sense of sympathy for these women too, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like honestly, if 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 you're like one hundred percent against same sex marriage and you're one hundred percent like you know you're super homophobe and stuff, and and it's because it's because Really, you're you, you're lusting after twink, but, um, and you know your wife is just like I just don't know what to do with him, right? Um, yeah, I can sympathize with that, right? But yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with him saying that he thinks that men in politics are. It, for all I know, his concerns were valid. She's not going to elaborate. Yeah, no, no, like, we have no. She's, she's just making a an, uh, making a statement so that her friend can be like, "I can't even," and then they're just going to use that as a launching off point to talk about what they want to talk about. Well, and and the thing the thing too is right, like at Rick Santorum, right? He may be completely fucking hypo- hypocritical on the gay same sex marriage thing, the homophobia thing, all of that stuff, right? But you know, most people aren't wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. And just because they're like incredibly wrong on certain things, right, doesn't mean that they're wrong on everything. Sometimes they could be like bang on on specific things, right? And I try to acknowledge that, you know, in in my daily freaking goings on on the internet, acknowledge, you know what? You're right. Um, I disagree with pretty much everything else you ever have said but you're right about this um you know and i i guess maybe it's there's one of the things that really interests me is this idea that the right wing right that conservatives if you look at jonathan Haidt's five uh moral foundations Right. One of them is in-group loyalty versus out-group othering. Right. And when you ask conservatives and liberals, how much do you prioritize in-group loyalty versus out-group othering um, in your moral decision making? Conservatives say it ranks right up there with the other four moral foundations. They're all within about a half a percentage point of each other. They're they're all pretty much equally considered in the conservative mind, right? Whereas according to liberals, according to leftists um, or progressives, uh, they don't consider it at all. But everything I see from the left wing these days is based on in-group loyalty and out-group othering. Yeah. I mean, this is a disgust response. She said it was Yeah, they just, but yeah, but they don't, they don't see it as that because it's not based on skin color or gender or whatever. It's based on ideology. 
right? And so they don't see it as an in-group and an out-group. Um, I would actually go further, Karen. I, I mean, I'll let you finish, but I'm going to add to that that idea that it, this isn't actually based on a biological factor. Go ahead. But they, that, like that, it's it's no, but it's it's not based on. I, I agree, it's based on biological factors because I think people are born with predispositions towards conservatism or liberalism. Oh, it goes. I think it goes well beyond conservatism or liberalism, but. Uh, it, it, let me let me just then since I've derailed it, I might as well continue on with my derailment. Oh, sure. She has a definite bias towards a particular outgroup, and that outgroup is defined by men having vulnerabilities and women having a recognition of their agency. And I think that there is a certain phenotype of human. I mean, if we can if we can regard. And apparently science does. It regards men who engage in violence to be a separate phenotype than regular men. Um, then I think we can regard men who are more willing to be vulnerable and women who are more willing to tolerate male vulnerability or even be able to, to respond to male vulnerability with a strength of their own. I think they constitute their own separate uh, gender phenotype, perhaps. Sexual, even sexual phenotype, perhaps. And what her repulsion is actually towards people like that. And it, it, there's probably a biological component to it because there usually is. And um, so she she is in her in her she is basically cis normative. I'll go there. I'll say that she is cis normative. Mm -hmm. Her gender roles, um, her phenotype, her gender phenotype, which is probably the predominant one has discussed towards male vulnerability and discussed towards recognizing female agency. And, uh, and, it, and when you understand that, you realize that they are just as bigoted as what they say conservatives are. Well, and this is this, bigoted on biological factors. This is, this is why I think that uh, John, like I think there's a lot to be said for Jonathan Heights idea of you know the five moral foundations and all of that right i think that that that's absolutely excellent um i don't necessarily think that asking people how they believe they consciously make moral decisions is the best way to actually ascertain how they make decisions because if you actually look at how decision making is made, particularly on highly emotional or moral topics, right? Um, you know, uh, things that really tug at our heartstrings or or uh, really, you know, hit us in the gut, right? Those kinds of decisions, those are all made in the back of our brain. We make them without even consciously being aware that we've made them. <clears throat> and then a split second later uh the uh justification the, no the well the the fallout from the decision right the fallout from the decision begins to manifest in the body in this sense of hormones and and uh neurotransmitters and you know this muscle group is is uh smiling and this muscle group is running or whatever right um that and then then a split second later the the part of the brain that monitors what's going on in the body says oh it looks like we've made this decision it looks like we feel this way and then a split second after that 
then that part of the brain has a conversation with prefrontal cortex and tries to back rationalize why we did that. Yep. Right. So that's, uh, that's really what's going on here. And so she's like, it's gross. And there's, I don't need to look at it any further. Because I I just know, I just know it's gross. We need, I just know it's gross and I don't need to look any deeper. Yeah. I just know gross. Because it's gross. It's men's vulnerabilities are just gross, 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 gross. We should probably do administer a implicit bias, like one of those tests. I know that they're really controversial, but at the very least, it could weed out women who have this kind of instinctive repulsion towards male vulnerability. And once they ping that, it'd be like the Voight comp test. Yeah, you you're, you disqualified yourself from talking about male vulnerability, my friend. Because uh, your 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 testimony about it is going to be very tainted by your by your phenotypical disgust for it. All right, let's let's go a little bit further. Oh wait, before we go, I want to thank Curtis. gave us twenty five dollars, and um, and uh, if you want to join Curtis, please go to feedthebadger.com and deposit some shekels in the hat. I would really like to get it up over that thousand uh, and a little bit further towards the, the 1600 we, we need for the for the screening of erasing families. OK, let's continue. All right. The thing isn't is still not reflected on the website. So no, um, not what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as long as you know you're getting it, I'm just I'm just making sure the money is getting to you because it's not it's not showing up on the website. We're still at 955. So. On the website, but yeah, I got to figure out what's going on here. All right. Well, anyway, let me play more of the video. Here we go. There's a good reason to be worried about the men. Yeah, I think that when we hear people talking about men and men's issues, it's often, unfortunately, I think people like Tucker Carlson, uh, people like uh, Jordan Peterson, and maybe even Rick Santorum. I don't know what his argument was at the time. Um, but there's <laughs> this, this idea that, you know, there's a war against men and it's uh, the fault of feminism. It's the fault of, right, you're paying too much attention to what, what's happening to women. Men uh, are suffering because of this. All right. Just pausing for the banana um, again. Um, uh, that's so can- bullshit. Okay, there is a war against men. It is about feminism, but it's not about feminism paying too much attention to women. It's about feminism paying too much attention to men, right? Like, like literally, it, the idea that it's because feminism is paying too much attention to women is like feminism is being horrific because they're, you know, providing adequate defense for their goalie rather than being on the offensive and fucking shoulder checking everybody, you know, on the opposing team. Yeah. Like it's no, it's like feminism has the, the attack on men, the attack on men. It was, it was made manifest in the declaration of sentiments, 1848. Yep. Men did this horrible thing to women. Men did that horrible thing to women. Men did this. Men did that. Men, 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 men. It's all men's fault. Yep. And, you know, if they wanted to talk about men's issues, if they're angry that people like Tucker Carlson and Jordan Peterson are talking about men, then maybe they should have been talking about men before those guys started talking about men because Tucker Carlson didn't start doing it until pretty recently, like last year. So if you're mad that Tucker Carlson started talking about men's issues and the reason why they're mad is because 
it's a person that's not in their camp, number one. And number two, they don't like the way that they're talking about men's issues because they're talking about it from a perspective that at least is somewhat sympathetic to men's actual problems and their actual needs. And because they did it first, they're abandoning the fr- the, the feminist framework, which is how these people want to talk about men. And so if you're mad, you probably should have been doing this a long time ago. But it seems like your equality um, you know, cult didn't consider that men have issues. And then when other men start talking about those issues, you're mad because you didn't do it first. If you're going to put blaming men for things that you refute like you point blank refuse to investigate or back up your claims so you make all of these allegations against men and if that is more important to you than helping men then please show yourself to the exit because we don't want you to talk about these issues if it's more important to you to blame men than to help them you have immediately right there discounted your voice in 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 the ish, in men's issues and it sounds like these individuals are it's more important to blame men than to help them yeah no and it's it, like the the whole thing oh they, they're okay so tucker carlson and rick santorum are talking about men's issues and trump said it was a scary time for boys right and uh young men and 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 they're they're talking these people that we don't like are talking but like you literally handed the issues to them mm-hmm. because you refuse to actually fucking address them right and so you allowed the people that you hate to own the issues and I'm sorry they own them now right and I'm I'm sorry too because you know like. Every time I get on conservative talk radio and, you know, you might be surprised because a lot of times I'm asked to chime in on trans issues and stuff like that. And I am not transphobic in those interviews. I, I am like, yes, there is a small, small population of people who are genuinely trans uh, gendered. And, and, you know, when my kid comes home from school and says, on the second day of the year and says, okay, so this kid in my class, he was dressed as a girl yesterday and I thought it was just a gag for the first day of school, but then he came dressed as a girl again today. And I'm just like, you know, okay. Okay. Just don't be mean to him. Be nice. Right. Just be kind because that kid's probably got a lot of problems. Right. And and that kid doesn't need you adding to their problems. Right. So just just be kind Um, that that like I am I am just I am very, very willing to accept this idea of, you know, live and let live and, and people can identify as whatever the hell they want and all of that stuff. Right. Somehow. I talk about trans issues in a way that conservative radio hosts invite me back. They invite me back to talk about them again. Well, what a strange thing that the conservatives are uh, turning to us to explain gender to them uh, and gender issues to them and not to uh, leftists and liberals. (laughs) Well, not sorry, progressives. Because that's really what's happening, guys. Yep. I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, maybe maybe uh, the conservatives will realize that they don't need 
the current uh, the current crop of uh, of progressives to be their progressive counterpart that they can say, you know what, I don't necessarily agree with you, but you you I think that you have something that I should think about and consider and integrate into my experience and my understanding of the world. Maybe they they can maybe they'll wake up one day and they'll say, hey, men's rights activists, they they got some good heads on their shoulders. I mean, they they, they are presenting, uh, I would say, a progressive view of gender in in that we are accepting male vulnerability and female agency, which is something that really that's the real hegemonic gender role today is a denial that women act at all are our moral agents and a denial that men have any kind of warmth of compassion or any kind of you know, heart that can be hurt. That's the real gender role. And, men, and men's rights activists are challenging that. And they're saying, well, yeah, no, actually men can be hurt and women can hurt. So, uh, but maybe we should choose them as our progressives rather than the ones that are currently smearing menstrual blood all over their faces and screeching about stare rape. You know, yeah. just, just putting yeah. it out there. Just putting it out there, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Shall we on. continue? Yes. Okay. Yes. We're doing it. Men are suffering because of feminism. Men actually thrive under feminism, right? So I actually went to oh Iceland, the most feminist that's country just in the world. Horrible. For the- <laughs> <laughs> my God, Jesus! I'm like, is she? Worship she's my like- label. Worship my label. We care oh. about you, but you have to submit first. <laughs> oh God! Like, men aren't suffering under feminism. <laughs> Men are thriving under feminism, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like what what happened to all of these articles that that came out recently about how uh, women are hard done by because they can't find men who make more money than them. What what happened? <sighs> what happened to that? Right, like that that was not something that was happening in the nineteen fifties or the nineteen seventies. Right. That was something that that's that's been something that's only been a thing for the last 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years that women uh, have been more uh, more likely to be uh, educated than men and women in their 20s earn more than men. That that's only been uh, that's that's a byproduct of feminism. Right. And now we have. Literally, I'm watching a, a video. I was watching a video. It was on BitChute. It was linked to me uh, on I, I either Reddit or Twitter or something like that. But it was a Tim Pool video on BitChute. I don't know if he put it out on YouTube. Mm. He might not have. Um, he Watch did take out. a lot of Tim Pool is pretty uh, for it. He's pretty alt right adjacent, Karen, and on BitChute no less. Be careful. Yeah. Okay. But okay. So he he's saying. You know, okay, so this article profiles this woman. She's she's a nurse practitioner in New York City. Okay. A nurse practitioner in New York City. She's got like sort of a she's got a well-established career. She earns good money. You know, she's in a good position. Uh she's living in an exciting city uh that is an elephant's graveyard for women's ovaries, apparently. Um, according to Gavin McGinnis. Um, but She's 38 years old. And she's complaining that she can't find any men who earn as much or more than her or who are as educated or more than her to date in New York City. And and I'm like, oh, honey. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, honey, you're 38. 38's old, right? 38 is harvesting eggs and $10,000 per try for IVF old, right? Mm -hmm. That's how old you're, you're just thinking of settling down now can get pregnant which you probably can't eh, i think that's a bit high but i did want to point out i think the real takeaway here is uh i want a man who makes as much or more than me and that's pretty consistent among all women all so if women you, if you want to uh question or, or change that what was that statement in the summary that men are expected to be providers you're gonna have to recognize that that's women's not, expectation. That's women's expectation. It that yep. is almost uniquely. I would say that is uniquely women's expectation because I do not think that men would not be a friend with another man if he didn't make enough money. Yep. So no, and, and the social and, pressure and is no man, female. No man would refuse to marry a woman that he was genuinely enamored with, right? Genuinely like attracted to you know, she's got a great personality. She's like super nice. She folds scarves at the gap, right? But she's smart, right? And she can have an intelligent conversation with them. And she, you know, and she's she's got a great personality and, and you know, great sense of humor, right? And and a, a nice body and and is is fit and young and, and pretty, right? He would never be like, okay, you you don't, you're not in my earnings bracket. So uh, yeah, no, this this is just like not not gonna happen. Like no man would would do that, right? And that's not saying that men are more noble than women, right? Because they value different things in women than they do in than women do in men. Right. There's a reason why George Clooney doesn't have to dye the gray in his hair and his beard. And he's still considered fucking hot. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a reason why Nancy Pelosi at age 70 fucking nine doesn't have a single noticeable gray in her hair. Yeah. And it's because it's because men don't have to look young in order to be sexually attractive. Women do. That's just a function of biology, right? Because once you hit 38, like, if you produce one child, you're lucky. Okay, let's let's move on from this. God, I think we've and and Tim Pool to the dust. Tim Tim Pool is is like he's like. Okay, I took a lot of freaking heat from feminists for saying, you know, I own a company. I'm running a company. I am a busy man. I am an entrepreneur, right? And I am throwing myself into my work and I'm earning good money. And the woman that I pair up with is not going to be, I'm not going to pick somebody who also has a high powered career. That's not the person I need. The person I need is somebody who's going to hold down the fort, who's going to have children with me, take on the primary caregiver role for those children, take on the primary domestic role in the house, right? And all of that. If she works, that's fine. But it, it her work can't be 
at the level that my work, you know, it can't be as consuming in her life as my work is consuming in mine if I'm going to be able to keep up my career. That's just how it works. Yeah. All and right, and but- he got he got he got just trampled. She doesn't even make any sense. Look, people compliment each other and whatever, you know, everybody gets along like in their own way. And and if the relationship works, it works. In this case, like if she doesn't acknowledge the pressure that women put on men to be masculine, like I'm looking at her and I'm like, there is no way that this woman doesn't want a goddamn uh, Brock Samson to shove mm-hmm. her up against the wall. Like seriously. Oh yeah. I, I don't I, I guarantee don't know, it. I don't know who Brock Sampson is. Ah, oh, it's just a cartoon. It's from Adventure Bros. He's a big, oh. like um aggressive alpha yeah. male dude from the Venture Brothers cartoon. It's very funny. Okay, so, so you mean like a guy? Do you remember like my boyfriend? Do you remember uh Johnny Quest, Karen? Do you no. remember the No? Okay, never mind. He was basically race banning, but the parody I, version. I remember of that. Johnny Test. Oh, I don't Regardless, know. Regardless, just a, it's it basically it's an it's the prototypical alpha male. Although he does yeah, have some chat. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, he also has some emotional shit going on too. So yeah, yeah but, but but like it, no, it, but it's nobody, the template. Nobody wants, nobody wants a guy who's all Chad. No woman wants a guy who's yeah, but just one hundred percent Chad and nothing else. Guaranteed, that both of them want a Chad, and in fact, probably they want a hundred percent Chad. Like there, there are women who want a hundred percent Chad. Judging from the fact that you know a, a guy brought up men's vulnerability and she said, "Ew, gross." She wants a hundred percent Chad. The yeah. instant the Chad, I don't know, starts sobbing at his mom's funeral after having taken care of her six months dying of breast cancer, she's gonna be like, "Ew, ew, ew." Oh, she's gonna be. God, yeah. She's gonna sour on that Chad so freaking fast. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I I don't know oh my god just uh, okay let's let's continue on All yeah right. let's see what else let's continue book and I went to save men because I'd heard that feminism was so bad for them they did not want to be saved they like their <laughs> they parental doing, leave okay. they like the welfare policies that come from gender equality and so um, I I really wanted to dispel this myth right that gender equality parse that sentence uh, yeah it was a little bit confusing here I'll go back a little bit they did not want to be saved. Uh, Who does not want to be saved? Into what, what's out. happening to women? Men uh, are suffering because of this. Men aren't suffering because of feminism. Men actually thrive under feminism, right? So I actually went to Iceland, the most feminist country in the world, for this book, and I. So she went to Iceland. This is about that. Went to save men because I'd heard that feminism was so bad for them. They did not want to be. Oh, saved. it's a joke. They like their <laughs> they, okay. they like the welfare policies that come from gender equality. So basically, she's so supposedly these men that she went to save from feminism in Iceland, which she's describing as the most feminist country. Those men don't want to be saved because they like the free shit that they're getting, um, according to her. So. But I guess uh, she she probably went to the men that were struggling the most, that were um, like leaning on the system to support them, and then use that as as proof that feminism is, and then also gives gives credit for uh, to feminism for that, and then goes on to say that this is why feminism is good for men. So that's that's because she's just trying to save her label. 
That's all it is. Yeah, it, it's more important to save feminism than to actually genuinely look at the, the concerns that people have about feminism, starting with it's completely unsubstantiated, unscientifically tested, false, well, I would say false, false allegation against men, all men, that they do not want to, they do not love women. They do not want to protect and provide for women. They actually want to oppress women and they mm -hmm. hate women. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is the, that is the, that is the crux of the issue. There are a lot of people who think that men under being told that is abusive. Yeah. There are people who love their, uh, you know, pickup trucks too, because of how useful they are. So I, I, lo I love my Honda Civic, but not so much today. Okay. I'm just wondering what the the Icelandic gender gap in STEM is. Um, I bet it's pretty far. I think a lot of those uh, Nor Nordic kind of countries. You know, it's, it's really they... funny because if you look at if you look at it in terms of STEM, Iceland isn't actually that feminist. If you look at it in terms of women's participation in STEM, mm -hmm. uh, the 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 the, uh, the situation for women is actually pretty bad in Iceland. So it's not really under that definition. It's not particularly feminist. But then again, I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. But but you know who is really feminist? Iran. Yeah, yeah, Iran. Iran's yeah. very feminist. Actually, I, but, I'm, know, they they are. And <laughs> India. Yeah, India is also Bangladesh. Feminist. Bangladesh. You know, uh, it, what's really interesting is that in the West, Afghanistan. In the West, we haven't really seen in the last eighty years of feminism, or however many years of feminism, we haven't actually really seen gender equality come about we have actually seen an increase in gender inequality along a specific axis. I'll get, uh, I don't know if I talked to you about this, Karen, but I'll let you guess what axis, what trait have we seen an increase in gender inequality? Um, Where? It, 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 an in, increase, a decline the, the greater, for women. The greater the feminism, the, the, the more feminism you have, the greater the inequality um yeah I but would... what trait what trait give it a guess give it a guess oh my god perception of women's agency yes yeah i bet you look that up damn it you google foo is very strong no yes. i you didn't hear in, me typing in okay in feminist cultures we have seen a marked decline in public perception of women's agency since 1946. In fact, we would have been more likely to elect a female president in 1946 than 2019 because presidents have to make decisions. They don't have to be good people. They don't have to be seen as good people. They have to be seen as effective people and effective people make decisions. And we have literally, we are literally declining in our ability to perceive women as being able to make decisions and take action. Feminism doesn't create equality. It creates an inequality that is its preferred, it like terraforms gender roles into the, its preferred form that it can occupy like a parasite, like some sort of alien, invasive alien coming to earth and terraforming the earth. That's what they do. <laughs> hmm. And, it, and, it, and also, that gender role is entirely consistent with her disgust towards any idea that men have issues yeah. or have vulnerabilities. Oh, this, yeah. Yeah. And, and do they have the audacity to lecture people who are actually capable? I mean, I'm actually capable of recognizing men's vulnerabilities, actually seeing a man stumble. And not being disgusted. Guy go even several steps further. 
I actually can see a man stumble and I can see his strength. Mm -hmm. Because usually when men stumble, it's because they're carrying an incredibly heavy burden. Oh, God. This woman you know, cannot. Go ahead, Karen. And, and yet I think that if she if she actually sat down and watched the movie Gladiator, right, and saw those scenes where Russell Crowe was like on his hands and knees, he's just like seen his, you know, the charred bodies of his wife and child, right, crucified and burned. And he's sobbing, you know, he's just, he's collapsed and he's sobbing and like, there's literally snot pouring out of his nose, right? It was one of those. Drool in his mouth and yeah. Yeah. It was one of those incredible scenes where an actor was just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to like not care how I actually, whether I look sexy here. Yeah. I'm going to ugly cry this. I'm literally going to live this moment and do it as the person would have. Um, and as you see him in this just absolutely devastated state, and then he just falls over and he lies down and decides he's going to die, right? Um, and then he gets picked up by a slave caravan. But I'm thinking she'd find that sexy. Because if if the if the stimulus that leads to that response is intense enough, and if it feeds into her narrative enough, oh my goodness, his wife and child died, right? Okay, that's something worth crying over, right? And when he cried, he cried unashamedly, right? When he wept, he wept without shame. Um... You know, and that's a masculine thing, right? To to just weep and say, if y'all don't like it, you can lick my sweaty butt crack, right? Um, I think she would actually there there it it there is something about framing, right? That the pickup artists have right, including framing the expression of your vulnerabilities in specific ways that actually don't put women off. That may be the case, but certainly not reading her book will not inform you of this. No, it won't inform you of any of that stuff. It'll just tell you to cry so that women will go, ew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, there's also a difference between watching it on the big screen and seeing it in front of you. Certainly, certainly. But I, I think that, you know, when it comes to a movie like Gladiator, where you're looking at the situation in total, right? What what the situation is, is he's looking at his wife and his child, uh, their bodies still on fire. Um, he we got there, you know, half an hour too late to save them uh, after riding through the night and killing a horse uh, to get there in time. Um, you know, like you can, you can, and then he just collapses in grief. I think that, I think that even, even the most harsh feminist woman, even the most narcissistic feminist woman could probably see a man if he was good looking enough. And if he physically powerful enough, physically powerful enough and could come back from that, if she saw some kind of indication that he could come back from that. 
um, you know, she would she would find that to be uh, endearing. Um, uh, okay, not, but let, I might want to point this out. We've been in here for an hour, and we still have not gotten to her opinion on on Jordan Peterson. Oh God, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. I'm going to look and see if there's any further because guys. Please help us out with this fundraiser to put on the screening for Racing Families. It's a very important, a very important message to get out there. It's about the family courts and how they are removing parents and siblings and grandparents. The director of a racing family was a co-director on a racing dad, which was a film that a documentary that came out of Argentina, which spurred changes to family law. So please do go to feedthebadger.com. Five bucks, ten bucks, every little bit helps. Let's get this. Let's get this done. So it's sort of slowed down, and I really appreciate it if you would consider you would go and do that. So let's 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 listen to a little bit more. All right, let's continue. And so um, I, I really wanted to dispel this myth, right, that gender equality um, hurts men or that gender equality is not something that men benefit from. Men actually have benefited in a number of ways that I you know, talk about in, in, in the book uh, about the, these conversations around gender equality. But I think that feminism needs to do a better uh, job of really including men in the conversations that we have so that we have a gender neutral feminist movement. All right, I'm pausing for the banana, but I think that she's okay. going to expand on this a little bit more. Go on. Uh, okay, if she means it, I'm going to give her some credit. Yep, um, give, her, give her a bit of credit. Let's not condemn her until we find out what she means by this. A gender-neutral mm -hmm. feminist movement. Okay, continue. Yeah. We're listening. Pitch it. We're listening. Pitch it, Okay. Lady. Pitch it. All right. I'm pressing X, though, but let's let's see that is unabashedly interested in everyone's well-being. Yeah. So what do you make of the rise at this moment of like a Jordan Peterson yeah. and the Okay, wait, 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 wait. Where's your freaking pitch? Like where where's the pitch? Where's the well, meat? Where's I, the beef? I think the reason why uh Crystal Ball here, yes, if if you're just now joining this that's, her, Ball, that's yeah. her name is Crystal Ball. Um, I think what she's doing is, and I don't know if Plank, Liz Plank, the writer of the book, uh, intended it to be this way, but I think that she's bringing it up because she's sort of pitting Liz Plank's book and by extension her philosophy on masculinity, on equality, um, against Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, which a lot of people in these kind of progressive intersectional circles believe is a book for men about men because a lot of men are have have been uh you know really attached to peterson and okay. I, I think that she's sort of pitting these two like they're opposed philosophical forces and we have this, to see how how her book measures up against uh peterson's book right this this is so stupid too right you know like i I literally, when I did my response to the Kathy Newman, Jordan Peterson interview, right. You know, I did my little breakdown of the things that I thought that other people didn't, uh, didn't catch. Um, the, the thing that struck me the most was she's like, Oh, and young men seem to be, you know, you seem to be appealing to young men and don't, it's a bit divisive. And, and I'm like, Okay, so he's literally saying, he's literally saying, be the best person you can be.
be moral and honest and upstanding. Pick up a burden. Once you've got your own house sorted out, pick up a burden and carry it forward. Contribute to your community, uh, to your family, to to your community, uh, and to to your society. Right. Do things for the good. Right. Th- those are those are his his messages in that book. Why does that appeal to young men and not young? What is wrong with young women that they're not also buying this book? Yeah, that's a good point. And also, um, why, why does this message not resonate with young women? I think what they real the real problem once again, because when you read 12 rules, it, it is basically that kind of advice. And the fact that it doesn't resonate, resonate as much with young women is pretty telling. Uh, that feminism resonates more with young women than this kind of advice to actually take responsibility for yourself and the world around you. No, that's, a, that's, that's, that's telling, but I would say that it really isn't his work, his work in 12 rules that got him crucified by the media. And no, it was, it, women was, like it was saying, I'm not going to call somebody Z. Uh, it wasn't even that. I don't even think it was the compelled speech thing. I think it's his open concern for the pain that young men are in because nobody gives them an encouraging word in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the real point of contention. I I have to like also add that women are buying the book and there is a good number of them. It's just that from Kathy Newman's perspective, um, most of Jordan Peterson's off, uh, uh, audience seemed to be men at the time, but he said that once he started touring and selling his book, he found that there were a lot of women. I mean, it's still more men, uh, still more men, but there are a good number of women that were also interested. So, of course. Uh, yeah, because well, I, I was, I was following his work like for freaking five years before he shot to international fame. Like, there are women who have been interested in his work for a long time, right? Um, so it's like, it's it's not as if there are no women who are interested in what he has to say. I just think that the feminist establishment and the progressive establishment is essentially telling young women, his message is not for you because it's bigoted and, and misogynistic. Mm-hmm. too too. It could be true too. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit more. I I am okay. actually really upset that there was absolutely no pitch for this gender equal feminism that cares deeply about the issues of men. Well, I think like, she, why couldn't she have gone into that? No, she is going to go into that because I've watched this video in advance. She does go into it, um, okay. although it's not surprising the angle that she takes. Okay, all right. Let's no, no no spoilers, Brian. I'm not spoiling no anything. Spoilers. It's not spoiling. Mm-hmm. Espouses okay. and subscribes yeah. too. After interviewing several men, I've been working on this book for four years um, and doing a lot of research and data. I'm not surprised by Jordan Pearson. I'm not surprised that there are just thousands and thousands of particularly young men, young white men who are lining up to see his shows, who are lining up buying tickets that are up to $250 just to meet Jordan Pearson. All okay, right. Again, pausing for the banana again. Notice she says young white men. That's important. That's not an accident. Although it's not true, because there's lots of men of all, you know, creeds and ethnicities. Yeah. But she has to say that because she's yeah, setting she the does. ball up. She's setting the ball up. Okay. So. Okay. I want to add something else. 
I've noticed this. A uh, white is becoming synonymous with male. Yep. Man. Uh, so essentially what she just said was man, man. So, you know, you black, black guys, black men, you're not really men in this cosmology. Okay. Until, mm-hmm. until you are. I mean, cause yeah, like, there's, you are. yeah, because it, you're, you're a men. Eventually you're, you're all just men, men eventually. All right. Um, Jordan Peterson is the most, uh, the m- biggest best-selling Canadian author, more than Malcolm Gladwell, more than uh, Margaret Atwood. These are significant numbers, and they're. By, by the way, I just want to say, I'm so glad it's more than Margaret Atwood. <laughs> oh God! You know, I'm so I, I glad. Love, I, I I love the idea of yeah, sale, right? Because it's it's life as a man. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So your your government could actually hijack your life and force you to take your body and and it could it could like hijack your body and force your body to perform its will at any time. And that would be a post-apocalyptic nightmare for women. Yeah. It's, and it's conscription. It's, it's business as usual for men. It's conscription <laughs> for men. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, what a man has to do if he's raped by a woman and she gets pregnant. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Or a boy yeah. has to do if he gets raped by a woman and she gets pregnant. Yeah. Okay, I just had to say that I'm I'm so glad that Peterson is outselling Margaret Atwood, despite the fact that yeah. I think Margaret Atwood actually wrote a sequel to her book that was released recently or is being released pretty soon. Um, but yeah, all right, let's continue. There's a vacuum. There's really a lack of conversation around masculinity to our original point that we were talking about. When it is talked about, it is uh, owned in this, um, I think, negative way in these unhealthy ideals of masculinity. Jordan Peterson tells men that they have to toughen up. He tells them uh, he doesn't believe that trans people exist. Uh, he doesn't believe that trans people. What? Have what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she said that. See, it's also the thing about men toughening up is bullshit because he shed tears for young men live in front of an audience multiple times. He did not. She's making him sound like a drill sergeant. And that's bullshit. So, no. Well, he does. He does tell young men and young women toughen up. Well, yeah, but but that's true. But I mean, like, it's not from this unsympathetic way. And and also, by the way, men want that. They want to be encouraged to toughen up. They do, and it's not a finger-wagging sort of way, just like, just conform, just comply, right? No, it's like, here's what I think would be best for you, and if you think that, that this is would be best for you, then you should go and follow these steps and toughen yourself up and do it, right? And, like, my parents toughened me up. Right? Like, they spent my whole childhood toughening me up. Yeah. Because, you know, when when you have to go out as an adult in the world, you have to be able to actually freaking handle situations. Right? That suck. Yeah. A lot of situations that suck. Like, I don't know. You you wake up on a Sunday morning and, you know, your your husband has got the kids together and you know and let you sleep in and and he's had he's washed the dishes and he's 
tidied up the living room and all of that. And then he took them out and he got groceries and he, and his, and your daughter talked him into buying you flowers and he greets you in the bedroom with flowers. Right. And you get up and go to make coffee and there's no water and you have no idea. Because it's a, it's a Sunday. Right. And like, how, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Well, if you haven't been toughened up, you just panic and you cry. Yeah. At some point, adults have to actually take the reins of their own lives. They have to actually take some responsibility for their own well-being. I also want to point this out again. A nonfiction investigation into masculinity for the love of men provides actionable steps for how to be a man in the modern world. I I just want to, I also want to... But I just want to point out that unless those yeah. actionable steps are uh, don't change anything at all, they're going to involve some hardship. And if yeah. any of them are call out toxic masculinity and other men, they're going to potentially involve a man swallowing his own teeth. So mm. I'm sorry, Liz Plank. You are also telling men to toughen up. Okay. I, I also want to address the trans issue. Yeah, do it. Yeah, she she geez. literally said he denies trans people exist. Nonsense. And he has never done that. He has never done that. All he has ever said is, I don't think the government should be able to compel the speech of its citizens. And I don't necessarily take every trans self-identifying trans or non-binary person at their word, right? Oh, yeah, and here we have this case of Jonathan slash Jessica Yaniv in Canada, uh, where you literally have a insane person who has assaulted multiple journalists Right, who claims to walk need a, a walker to walk, need a, a mobility walker to walk, but manages to run without it away from reporters just fine, super fast, right? Claims to be a female, claims to be a woman, uh asks people online about, you know, in locker rooms and changing rooms, do you ever see girls walking around, girls, 12, 13-year-old girls walking around naked? Have any of you ever seen a tampon string hanging out of a girl's thing? You know, yes. what if a girl, what if a 13-year-old girl asked, you know, got her period in a public bathroom and I was there and, you know, would it be appropriate for me to go into a stall with her and help her insert the tampon, right? And and I'm like Okay, okay, this is fucked up. And then that was before the lawsuits. That was before mm-hmm. this person brought 16 freaking home practitioners, home businesses, women who run uh, aesthetician businesses out of their homes where they offer Brazilian waxes to women, okay, along with leg waxing and hairstyling and you know, makeup and applying false eyelashes and fingernails and all of that stuff, right? And he's like, they're violating my basic human rights because they refuse to wax my lady balls, right? Because they're like, yeah, no, we don't offer manzillion waxes. Um, Because that actually... 
that Why actually should... takes a, a different technique and and I have not been trained in that or I'm Sikh or I'm Muslim and it would be against my religion to touch the genitals of a man, not my husband. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so 16, 16 times. And all just private, like they, they go into their, his, their house and he's yeah, okay. Her home. Right. When her children are around. Okay. Right? Demanding uh, that she wax his lady balls. Right. And, this this is what those laws have enabled. This vexatious litigant who's launched 16 lawsuits against home practitioners of waxing services because they won't wax his lady balls. <laughs> okay. All right. With that, I would like to thank uh, Mighty Dragonfly for it. Uh, thank you for the $100 that, that really got us towards the goal. Um, please do if you five bucks, ten bucks, every bit helps. So if you can go to feedthebadger.com and help us get this this showing in Saskatoon. I know it's 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 in the neck of my, my neck of the woods, so I'm I'm looking forward to it a great deal, actually. And I'd really appreciate it if you helped us. Unless unless it. Allison gets banned from Saskatoon, which is entirely I'm, I'm, entirely I'm possible. Trying, I'm trying to get my car running so that I'll yeah, yeah, because you're going to bring Nick with you, right? No, well, Nick said he's uh, going to come, if, so. If I drive, yeah. yeah. Well, make so, him push. Yeah. Just make him push. Okay, yeah, so... Well, I can't, I plastic. can't... Anyway, feedthebadger.com, put some shekels in the hat, and uh, let's let's get to more of her opinion on Jordan Peterson. Yeah, oh, this is the really important stuff. There are pronouns used. Um, you can research and, and, and look at all of this. If we don't have a positive conversation around masculinity where progressives and feminists acknowledge that it can be hard to grow up as a man in a society where the definition of masculinity and the definition of manhood has changed a lot and that we don't have a space for those conversations, then those young men, unfortunately, are going to go to these sites. They're going to go to the alt-right. They're going to go to, to Jordan Pearson in order to feel seen. Oh. Good. Good. Alt right and or Jordan Peterson, because those are the same, basically just as bad. Also, what does she mean by masculinities changed? Like she's basically saying we feminists have decided that masculinity is different and we've defined what it is. And for some reason, these men aren't getting the message and they're still acting like this other kind of masculinity that we don't like. This kind of uh, meritocratic, competitive, um, and cooperative, healthy masculinity. We don't like that because other women like that, and we don't like that either. I don't know what it is. It's it's producing too much inequality. Maybe that's her problem. Oh, God. You know, like, how, how like, there was an idiot, okay, there's an idiot on Twitter that I think Allison and I have been arguing with for, like, weeks his name's Christopher something. Christopher something, right? Christopher, I, 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 you're going to have to explain a little bit more of the behavior of this individual before I can place him. Oh, he's just a cunt. Okay. Anyway, he, uh, he's like, well, what about sharing power? How hard would it be to share power? And it's like, um, you're literally asking competent people to step aside so that less competent or less ambitious people can like 
Does anybody think that if Hillary Clinton was president, that if if somebody came up and said this trans person wants to be president now, Hillary, just roll over and resign and make room for this trans person or this gay person? Of course not. No. Ridiculous. Why why would they? Right? But uh- so if if men are more on average more ambitious then men are going to be more represented in positions of power and artificially leveling the playing field you're not leveling the playing field you're tilting it against men in favor of women and saying okay that that makes it fair no well, not just that they're tilting the playing field in such a way that people are less likely to vote for women because there's yeah, well, multiple reasons. There's I multiple would've... reasons. And it, first of all, now we perceive women's ability to take, we perceive less, that women have less ability to make decisions, less ability to take action. But we also uh, subconsciously must perceive that we have less ability to hold them to account. Yeah. So feminists are so-called tilting the playing field. At the same time, what they're doing to tilt the playing field makes it less likely that women are going to be in positions of power. You know, every, most of the countries that have, uh, ha- are, are, are considered, a, I don't know, ba- like a lot of the countries that are considered to be apostate on the gender equality index, uh, which, who also have a higher rate of women going into STEM, those cult- many of those countries have actually had a female leader. And the reason why is because they still have a culture of recognizing women's competence, not uh, sorry, not competence, recognizing women's agency, women's ability to take action and make decisions. Now, it might be seen in a different way than the men, but it is still seen in our culture. It is disappearing. And then feminists turn around and say, well, why won't people elect presidents? Because of you. Why won't they elect female presidents? Because the way that you are tilting the field in favor of women is making them unelectable. Oh, there's a reason. There's a reason why Margaret Thatcher was so popular and reelected over and over and over again. Right. Was because she essentially said, I owe nothing to the women's movement. I, I owe nothing to them. I got here on my own merits. I was the daughter of a grocer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I climbed the the greasy pole all by myself, and that's how I did it. That and sounds hot. The greasy okay. pole, yeah, yeah. Of course, that sounds hot to you, Brian. But <laughs> um, but you you sort of look at that and you think, well, okay, so she slogged through, right? All of the slings and arrows, and all. she didn't rely on. She didn't call, I mean, she did play the uh, the sex card a few times, right? In terms of saying, well, if you want something talked about, ask a man. But if you want something done, ask a woman, blah, blah, blah. Which just makes me think that she thinks that women are good secretaries and men are good CEOs. But, um, you know, like, essentially what she's... What she did, she did, despite the fact that the the women's liberation movement of her era hated her, 
They hated her. You know what? I just just occurred to me. You know what? Liz Plank. Somebody should sue her for false advertising, because what her book should actually say. And Jesus, what a lazy cover! This is just teal with yellow. Yeah, your 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 cover design is lazy, Liz Plank. It's lazy. But what it should actually say is how not how not to date me, a guide. How to be unattractive to me, a guide. Because this is really what the contents of the books is. It's how to not be attractive to Liz. I guarantee you do everything opposite of what's in that book and she'll find you attractive. Oh, almost certainly. Almost this certainly. Is, this is one of this is one of those things that uh that I find the most hilarious about feminists is that they they want, you know, they say because they're feminist ideology that they want, you know, the sort of the Alan Alda, but without the star power. Right. And the, and the big paycheck, right. They just want the sensitive man. They want the, you know, the, uh, the egalitarian man, the man who washes the dishes and the man who, who does, uh, you know, like who, who talks about his feelings and shares his hopes and dreams and fears and vulnerabilities and all of those things. Right. But when they're actually confronted with it, what do they what do they label those guys nice guy tm indeed right and 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 then they they say guys they're not just guys who are fucking up right they're not just guys who are unattractive to us and fucking up um in you know in being attractive to us uh they're not just screwballs who who can't get it right no they have entitlement to women's bodies they're they are uh rapey right they're rapey horrible you know even just looking at the incel thing right okay so you have this uh, even looking at joker the movie right um so you have this movie that actually presents the joker as an incel and his inceldom is it informs his psychosis right and it, it helps create the villain that he becomes right and it does so apparently right because i haven't seen this movie but i've read all of i uh, read a bunch of feminist reviews of it does so in a way that makes him seem sympathetic. It makes him seem like he was horribly shit on and and he had a horrible time of it and he was the product of his past. He became the product of his past, the inevitable product of his past, and it was very sympathetic. Uh, and feminists are like, you're glorifying incels. You're glorifying incel violence. And incels should be, you know, these people who freak out, right, on occasion and take out a whole bunch of people, right, because they have been isolated and marginalized and disenfranchised and completely expelled from the hum broader human community and they maybe haven't been physically touched in years okay not not even a handshake let alone a hug let alone sex okay 
these guys, right, what they need to really show them how to behave is to be more marginalized, more isolated, push them further out, right? Give them nothing to lose. That'll get them to behave. Give them nothing to lose. Make them realize that they're an enemy of the state. Whip them, uh, torture yeah. them, socially isolate them. I, I'm just them. like, I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing, you stupid cunts? Right? Like, how how could you even think that? Like, how could you look at somebody who's like, okay, let, let's just picture somebody like I don't know, like the the short, fat dude in in the Human Centipede two movie. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Bagel Boss. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, the short right, fat like, dude from Human well, Centipede. The short, the short fat dude from the Human Centipede 2. Okay. Let's look at him. Okay, and let's or that or that short the bagel boss guy. Yeah. Let's look at him. Okay. Look at look at his life. Right? The, the bagel boss guy, he's he's what, like four foot eight? Mm-hmm. Four foot eight, right? He's he's not otherwise. There's nothing about him that's otherwise appealing, right? It's not like he's four foot eight, but he's got stunning, uh, stunning, glorious Jufro and you know golden ringlets and and you know the face of a of a god, right? No, he's just he's just some freaking yob with you know who's four foot eight okay and you're looking at that guy and you're like what that guy needs is more isolation more hate and to have not be touched for another five years right because you know not getting touched has definitely not been shown to induce psychosis Oh, or or to induce it, it like uh, for all we know, the four foot eight guy at the bagel store, he's a victim of fucking child abuse, child neglect. Because you know what? Not touching your children when they're babies causes dwarfism. Uh, and the and the other thing is that there's like apparently I heard somewhere there is actually among incels there's a high rate of childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, so th- what they're basically doing is they're taking a group of men who experience issues like uh, uh, like health issues, like um, uh, health issues, mental health issues, disabilities, uh, physical a- attraction issues, and um, maybe some issues with social social. I mean, they might be autistic, et cetera. Uh, they may have issues with social um, awareness or uh, the ability to be social. Yeah. And they're yeah. taking these men and they are dumping all over them again and ostracizing them and stigmatizing them and treating them like the fact, the very fact. You're, you're the very literally things. saying, they're literally saying, okay, these people who haven't been touched in the last five or 10 years by anybody, they're actually untouchable. Yeah. By anybody. Yeah. So they're doing this and they're saying the very things that get them rejected by society. They're saying that rejection by society is their fault. 
and that yeah. we should continue to reject them utterly, 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 and keep on rejecting them. And then they wonder why these young men end up in extremist situations with people who will give them some sense of value if they do extremist acts. Or you wonder why the very, very few of these young men will go out and do something violent if you give them nothing to lose mm -hmm. and everything to gain. Because when you are completely and utterly ostracized, when you're shoved in a black hole, just being heard once as a, yeah. as, as a demon is better than being silenced and buried and never heard of again, you know, and, the, and you put that in these young men in this situation and then the greatest irony of all is you blame people like us who are desperately trying to tell these young men that they have some kind of value, you know, just hold on for another day. And, yeah. and people just like Jordan to, Peterson and or people like Jordan Peterson, you condemn who, who us just, as just responsible for the very actions that are taken because of your social isolation and you giving these young men nothing to lose. Well, these like Jordan Peterson, what's he telling these young men? Right. He's saying, you know what? Regardless of what your gifts are or aren't. Right. There is a way that you can find meaning in life. Right. It starts with your room. Right. And it grows from there. And I think you can do it. And yeah. if you if you do it. That will be good for you. It will be good for your family and your loved ones, and it will be good for your community, right? And so, so just just do it and and just start. Just start with your room. Start small. Start small, and 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 go from there. And every time you feel strong enough to pick up a bigger burden, right? Pick it up, carry it forward. Right. And and just keep doing that and you will find meaning. Right. And. Somehow this message is. Is unhealthy, even though even though this particular message. Actually reaches men who are at like at rock bottom. At rock bottom, it reaches them. You know, they're they're addicted to drugs. They, you know, they were living in their mom's basement. You know, they they just they had they didn't have a job. They didn't want a job. They they were just willing to live off of the largesse of their their relatives. Right. All of those things. And and they're like, OK, well, you know, I heard what you said. And it just it just. There was something about it. You know, maybe it was some, what you said, maybe it was the way you said it, but there was something about what you said that made me think, okay, yes, I can actually pick up my life and move it forward, right? And be responsible and be accountable and surround myself with people I know are good for me. Right. Um, and and all of those things. Right. And these these women, I, I don't understand how they, they can see that as, as that. Well, 
because it's expecting people to look at what they can do rather than what they are to derive value. And it's pretty telling that a woman like this thinks that people derive value from what they are instead of what they do. She's incredibly privileged because of how much value people place in what she is rather than what she does. And she probably doesn't even realize it. So she can think of it as tough love. When you take somebody who has no value to anybody, nobody sees him as having any value. And you say, here are some actions to take that you can learn to value yourself. And from there, you, you know, people may or may not, but at least you are valuing yourself through these actions. You can make the world a little bit better just by existing and just by doing this, by cleaning your room, you can make the world just a little bit better. And that's, that's good enough. And she doesn't understand that because look at her. Mm. Don't you see why she doesn't understand that? Oh yeah. No, she's at any like... point in her life. She has ever had to take her value from a tiny oh, she's act. A, she's an eight with her cleavage showing. No, she's pretty higher than an eight. I think she's pretty model So, But she's never had to, she's never been in a place where the only value you can get is from just cleaning your room. Well, so I think, I think she's, an, she's an eight with the glasses on, maybe a nine with glasses off. She, t- she puts on the glasses to make herself less physically attractive. Okay, well, regardless, it's pretty clear that I don't think she can relate to somebody who ha- no. doesn't feel like they have any any value except in their own actions. She can't she can't relate to somebody uh, a man who uh right? As particularly in a dating market 60% uh, where men swipe right on 60% of female Tinder profiles and women swipe right on 5% of male Tinder profiles. She no, can't, okay. she can't imagine what it's like being in the dating market as it is right now. No, no. So let's, uh, let's continue. Okay. Let's continue. And yeah. to feel heard. And many of them are also voting for Donald Trump because Donald Trump is saying a lot of things. But what he's saying when he's speaking is, I, I, I hear you and I see you. Even though you're a, a white man and that's become a slur in our society, I understand your pain and I'm going to solve it. If he's actually solving it, that's another conversation. Right. But um, the first thing is to feel like someone doesn't have contempt for yes, you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And they- Oh, 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 the revolution. The first step to winning over an audience is to give them the impression that you don't hold them in contempt. Yeah, that's pretty telling. Okay, More? so does does Trump actually say that? No, what Trump? What? I think he said once that, you know, it's hard to be a man in this culture. No, he said he said once it it was a scary time uh, in yes. reference to the Title IX Dear Colleague letter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize he made it such a huge platform. No. Well, no. They're, really, like, they're really thrusting away these issues. Like, no, we don't want to. This is definitely coded Republican and conservative Trump uh, 
you know, they're just using yeah. it's just more of this, you know, well, Trump, associating Trump, Trump, who's bad in their mind automatically with uh, appealing to men. And she's basically saying, look, the bad guys are wooing the men. The bad guys are wooing the men. And we should no, we no, should get the bad them guys before. are wooing the white men. Yes, the, the white men. That's right. Because we have to divide this along color lines, too. Yeah, we do. But um. But the the issue is, is that she like she doesn't realize, like, do you guys know how uh, Volodymyr uh, Zelensky was elected in Ukraine? No, it's it's the music video, right? (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, okay. so so he he got a law degree. Um, He's only 41 years old at the moment, but he got a law degree. And then he uh, he immediately went and uh, he entered a comedy competition and he won. And so he was invited to join um, sort of a comedy network. And then he started his own production company. And so he became a comedian and a screen screenwriter and an actor. And uh, he wrote, uh, I think he produced and co-wrote a uh, sitcom in Ukraine called Servant of the People. And the plot was that there was this high school history teacher uh, who wanders around his house in a wife beater and, and boxer shorts, um, who he posted a rant on the internet about government corruption in Ukraine. And it went viral and people started throwing money at him and saying president. And so he's like, okay, fuck it. I'll run for president. Okay. This is the plot of sitcom, mind you. Right. Fuck it. I'll run for president. And, uh, and then he, he didn't, he, he was like, okay, I put my hat in the ring and he didn't pay any further attention to it. He didn't even campaign. Right. But he won based on this viral video about corruption, because corruption is sort of the number one issue with people in Ukraine, right? It's, it's actually uh, something like the 60% of Ukrainians who have left Ukraine to work elsewhere in Europe um, have said they left or will not return because of the corruption, right? So you're looking at a serious problem, right? And uh, so the sitcom... Essentially, it shows uh, there's a scene where he's he's in his wife beater in his underwear and there's these dignitaries come to his door. These officials come to his door and he's like, what do you want? Right. I'm trying to have dinner. And they're like, Mr. President. And he's like, what? Because he wasn't paying attention. Right. He wasn't even paying attention. He threw his hat in the ring for the presidential election and then just forgot about it. And he ended up getting elected because of this viral video, anti-corruption video. Right. That was the sitcom. Right. And then he decided, OK, I'm going for president. After playing this part in the sitcom and he won. And then the party he started which has the same name as the sitcom, Servant of the People, right? Won the first majority in Ukrainian parliament in modern history. 
just uh, a couple months ago. Okay, but what does this have to do with? with well, this? okay, what what I'm saying is, it's it's like you're looking at this this idea that you know she's saying, okay, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, he appealed to all of these white men. No. No, Donald Trump appealed to the exact same people that Volodymyr Zelensky appealed to. People who want to drain the swamp, people who want to get corruption out of government, people who want to get rid of pay for play, right? People who want to to have their interests looked after, right? People who 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 care about the integrity of Right. Those are all the reasons why most people voted for Trump. Right. The integrity of the border. If you can't if you don't have a country and you don't have a definite citizen, what do you have? Right. If everybody is well, everybody has all the same rights as citizens. What's the point of even living here? Right. What's the point of even being a citizen? So. That's what Trump was appealing to. She's like, oh, it was all white men. It was all white. No, it's just people who don't like corruption, whether or not these individuals actually are going to be able to fight corruption is is irrelevant. Uh, so, yeah. And just well, well, OK, I'm starting to feel like this is like a bit of uh, false advertising. Uh, how much does she actually talk about Peterson? Because we got like one sentence. Let's continue. Uh, let, she... Well, let's continue. Yes. This isn't like I like I said, though, I, I, it's not really about Peterson. It's just I think they just put his name in the title to get more clicks. So. That you matter. Right. It's so interesting because this is something that um, that I think is one of the fundamental underlying dynamics of the Trump era is this sort of like searching for what masculinity, this crisis of masculinity yeah. in the modern era. And I've also felt like we don't really have the language to talk about it. We have no. some of the language to talk about. Um, racism and racial yeah. bias and implicit bias. Like we have some of yeah. that language fleshed out, but I'm not sure that we really have had the architecture and the framework to talk about what's going on with yeah. men. Um, architecture okay. and framework. I, I just want to, I just want to uh, say comment because I know this isn't really about me, but she's making it sound like the Trump administration kind of caused a cultural shift that organically resulted in people having a discussion about masculinity. Like Trump got elected and it means that there's a there's some kind of dangerous masculinity out there that we need to like take care of because I guess otherwise that wouldn't have happened. They probably would say the same thing about Brexit. It's just a way to essentially blame masculinity for the things that they don't like happening. But what's weird is they're making it sound like it's an organic consequences something just happened but the fact is feminists are the ones that started talking about masculinity and it was before 2016 um the toxic masculinity narrative it's it's actually really old i think it goes back to like the, the 1980s yeah and maybe before that too um yeah. if, although it was probably called something else but they're using it now 
because, and this is what I honestly believe, the men's rights discussion, maybe not men's rights activists, but the men's rights talking points, the men's rights arguments are becoming mainstream arguments. Cassie J's movie, the red pill, a lot of um, right wing and conservatives yeah, and Tucker Carlson and a lot of people who normally wouldn't discuss uh, men's issues at all and normally wouldn't talk about feminism unless they were just making fun of the really out there you know super radical stuff that's easy to make fun of like their art projects or you know their interpretive dance or whatever crazy stuff they're up to but yeah they're actually starting to like put out the real cases and i think that that the, the feminists became threatened by that. And so they said, OK, we can't ignore masculinity anymore. We have to talk about masculinity because we're losing the audience. We're losing the people that we need to keep our label going. So we need to talk about masculinity. And the other feminists were like, well, how do we do it? Well, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to talk about toxic masculinity and we're going to we're going to use all of the arguments. We're going to bring up suicide. We're going to bring up fatherlessness and homelessness and, you know, military deaths and 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 all these other problems school shootings etc but we're going to blame masculinity for it and we're going to propose that men alter their masculinity to save themselves and by extension save women and this is where it's at right now they don't like that the conversation doesn't blame men for masculinity doesn't hold masculinity accountable for male suffering they want to control the conversation. And I think that's the reason why there are all these comparisons is why they bring up Trump is why they bring up Jordan Peterson, um, because they want to they want to control the conversation around masculinity because it's part of gender, the gender discussion. And they want to control the conversation around gender altogether. Right. Um, so this is just an aspect of that. And they feel genuinely threatened. And this is why they're doubling down. That's why this woman is claiming to love men. And she thinks that she she loves men so much that if they just changed, you know, their behavior, then she could love them even more. It's like that girlfriend that dates you because she wants to fix you and she sees you as a project. It's it's like that. But she doesn't actually like you because obviously she doesn't like you as you are or she wouldn't be trying to change you. All of these people who are gaining uh, an audience among young men by not treating them with contempt and listening to them, uh, they need to get in on that, except their entire <laughs> their entire philosophy basically amounts to treating men with contempt and not listening to them. Yeah, yeah no, it's, <laughs> and telling them what to do. And it's like, you know, when it, when it comes to Jordan Peterson's message, going back to Jordan Peterson, right, it's it's a very common sense message and it's a very caring message, right? Like what, what does he say, right? Surround yourself, treat yourself the way uh, somebody who was in charge of your care would be expected to treat you. So if you were, if you were disabled and had uh, a carer, right? Um, and they had a standard of care, right? That That's how you should treat yourself. You should use that standard of care for yourself, right? Then surround yourself with people who care about you and who want what's best for you, um, not people who want to exploit you, not people who want to take advantage of you, not people who want to uh, berate and denigrate you, 
uh, surround yourself with people who actually appear to have your best interest um, at heart, right? That that's one of one of the other things that you should do, right? These these are like these are not things where you're you're saying you know you're bad, improve. They're saying here are some changes that you can make that will make your life better, right? And and here are some things that you should look for, right? That will and and look out for and and avoid in order to not make your life worse, right? So it's like when when you're looking at that, it's not like change, be better, be perfect, don't ever make mistakes. No, it's care about yourself as much as you would expect somebody who loved you to care about you, right? And then surround yourself with people who actually care about you like that, right? And then, you know, clean your own room, right? Take care of your own stuff, right? Because like, who, does, who doesn't want, who doesn't want to take care of their own stuff? Who doesn't want to live in a nice place well, well, as opposed to a flop house, right? Let's put it this way, Karen. When you take somebody who's given no value by society, like the average incel, absolutely no value, and you tell them you can make value in the world yeah. by just bringing a little bit of beauty into it. And it's within your grasp to do. And that is a beautiful message because it, it, anybody can do it. Anybody can clean their room. Yeah. Anybody can, anybody can just bring a little bit more of beauty into the world with that simple act. And by doing that, by improving the world just a little bit, you become somebody who can improve the world just a little bit. And there you, you start go. to recognize yourself as somebody that you, you have a positive contribution. That you have a positive contribution to the world. And to yeah, say even that, even if even if the positive contribution right now that you're is, capable of right now is just to your own life. Yes. Right. Or even just to your own surroundings, you just just make it a little bit better, make the world a little bit better. And you can be a person who makes the world a little bit better. And that's an incredibly kind thing to say to people who are granted, who who are not granted any value by anything else. Yeah. And it's and it's incredibly like, kind. It's it's like so you look at you look at his his message, you know, and he's he's often said, you know, clean your room, bucko. Right. but. His he's often described his statement of that as not in a finger wagging way, not in a shame on you way, right? Just in a you know, like you you could you could you could but improve maybe, you maybe could improve your, your own life. Yes, with a little bit of effort, right? It doesn't take much. Um, it, it doesn't even take money. Right. You know, if you're broke and you're poor, you can still, you know, you can derive a, rag. a sense of value. You, yeah, you can, you, can derive- you can still run a rag under a tap. Right. And and wash your walls or dust your your furniture or whatever. Right. Yeah. You can it's still do your, that. It's within your grasp to bring value into the world. And I can see why a woman like this doesn't can't even imagine why that would be kindness no no No, she wouldn't she just she just has no ability to relate to that 
Oh, she'd she'd be like, but, you know, women still do 70% of all of the domestic chores, and so that's unequal. All right. Okay, let's listen to a bit more. Okay, let's continue. Uh, yeah, and what you just said is so important, right? We, in the conversation around racial justice, we've acknowledged that there are um, acts of conscious bias, so many, right? And people who are racist and want to be racist and are doing it on purpose. There's also unconscious bias, right? These ways that people might have a good intention, but their actions are not in line with those intentions. Yeah, which because frankly, of all of us fall into in certain us, ways, right? but exactly. as hard as we may try. All right, I'm just pausing for the banana there to talking about. Sorry, I'm bored as crap by this. Yeah, this so. is uh, stuff that we've all heard before. So, well, yeah, you know, I'm, like I'm going to virtue signaling. Yeah, I'm going to have to go in about five or ten minutes. So, um, let's see if we can get through as much as possible. Yeah. Like, all right. Because uh, I'm, the... I'm not going to stick around either. But I'll do another shell. Shotgun uh, round. Please... Go ahead. Yeah, shotgun round. Uh, please go to feedthebadger.com and help us fund the screening of Erasing Family or go and purchase a ticket for the Saskatoon screening of Erasing Family. I know it's a smaller Canadian city. It is a, it is a city, though. It, it's very it's um, but it is in my neck of the woods. So I was able sounds to sounds more like a berry. But yeah, it uh... sounds like a berry, but it's, it, you know, anyway, so go to feedthebadger.com. Every little bit helps. Uh, it's really stalled out, guys. So I'd really appreciate it if you're listening and you're just like, you know, I got five bucks in in my my couch cushions. I'll go and throw it in the hat. Um, so please do feedthebadger.com. All right, let's listen to some more of this. All right. Otherwise. Yeah, so Renee uh, Myers, who's a, an amazing woman who ta- has given several TED Talks, she's the head of diversity at Netflix now, she says, if you have a brain, you have bias. And so we're starting to recognize and, and, and create, again, a space where people can be forgiven and people can be educated and where they can come in and, and make mistakes. And we need to have that same kind of forgiven space when we have who? conversations around gender. By feminists, of course. So yeah. essentially what you want to do is set yourselves up as the arbiters of all human morality with forced confession sessions. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. Get ready for the struggle session, Allison. This is. Oh, uh, it's coming for you. This is there uh, because so I don't. I, she's basically making the case uh, against cancel culture. But her solution is you know we just need to educate people when they do this and we need to practice forgiveness um but they but then they have to take away the lesson that we are right and they are wrong and they have to fix it and basically we give you one warning because you're probably ignorant and didn't know that you hurt this person's feelings but after that now you've been informed and educated so you better comply right so this is uh this is what's happening yes gender where we recognize that this is a post me too era that there is a, a plan for men like harvey weinstein and it's called prison um, but what's the plan for men like joe biden what's the plan for men who might want to adapt to new norms and new rules but are failing uh in their sort of journey um and and, and how can we help them rather than just shame them right um and, and i'm not saying you know okay so anyone- what i'm getting from that is there are men who are going to prison and men who agree with us and will need constant guidance Oh, uh, well, what people like hell? Joe Biden who touch women in ways that make them feel uncomfortable. Um, I, I would uh, I would suggest to 
everybody go to joebiden.info and look at that website because it's uh it's a uh somebody grabbed the domain name and uh and they've uh posted a bunch of uh gifs of him getting touchy feely with people who look extremely uncomfortable um and you know what i'm not going to criticize joe biden right over this i i there are other things that i would more happily criticize him over um than uh you know being a little cheek kissy um and and huggy and hair smelly um yeah okay but know. uh this is the shotgun round so now go go for it brian all right, let's let's it. keep going. I can feel the way that they want to about Joe Biden, but we need to have a, a space where we um, create a path to redemption. Yeah, uh, where we, we we have empathy for how difficult it can be for a lot of norms to be changing in our society, and not assume the worst in men, but assume the best in men. Cancellation can't be the only answer. Okay, but no. assume the best in men. Oh, they can conform to what we believe they should be. Well, yeah, they're the ones constructing the society that they want these men to operate under. She says that. She says, you know, essentially this this new world we're making in our image, in the way that we want it to be, we're inviting men to for the opportunity to conform to that new yeah, to, to figure out how to operate. With yeah. Within the, this thing and, that we're making. And, and if and if they screw up, then, you know, we're we're willing to cut them some slack. Um, right. Yeah. No, it's. I I just. I just every night I go to bed and I have apocalyptic dreams. Right. <laughs> um because I think of I think of I think of a human equivalent of bonobo society and uh that that's that's not it's anything appalling. anybody should want. Yeah, it's appalling. So, but okay, shotgun. Okay, moving on. Call in feminism, not call out feminism. Like, I don't want to be judged by that statement. Because we're all going to screw up at some point. And that's not to say that there aren't people who do deserve Mm -hmm. to be basically out of play society, who don't deserve to have that talk show, don't deserve Mm -hmm. to have that Supreme Court justice seat. But there. Did you catch that? You guys are going to be the ones. You guys are going to be the ones who decide all of that shit, right? Well, they're deciding it in the words that they're using when they say, not going to have that talk show or not going to have that Supreme Justice seat. They're talking about Brett Kavanaugh in that statement because they believe he's guilty and shouldn't be there. Even though he has not been found guilty, he's simply been accused. So it doesn't even work under their logical framework. Also, well, real quick, and I know we got to move on because this is a shotgun round. Note that they both said, hey, I don't want to be next on the chopping block, you know, with this whole cancel culture thing. Uh-huh. And that's actually a fair fear considering by their standards – as white women, they would get attacked. And so they don't yeah. want to be. And so they're basically saying, okay, we probably want to like reel this in before someone digs into my past and find something that I said on social media or a picture that I took or anything that I did that somebody could take out of context and then get me in trouble. And the fact that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm white, they're going to use that against me. So, uh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, let's continue. 
There has to Shut be an them. answer other than just cancellation. What has the response been from other feminists? Have you received pushback for a focus, an explicit focus on men? I have, uh, and I understand where that's coming from because I had the same sort of proclivities, really. I had the same, uh, I think, behavior when I would see people talk about men and say, what about men? I would respond, well, everything's about men. Why do we have to talk about men? And again, through the reporting and the research and the conversations that I've had with, with men and women, I've realized that 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 was not right and okay i'm pausing for the banana there she's gonna explain we'll, we'll just get into it more i'm just pausing for the banana so Actually, okay so this is it this is what this is the promised pitch yeah yeah away people that we really need to be part of our movement and who are being served by our movement so we need men to be part of the movement because we need the movement to be successful not because we give a shit about men see it's about their utility the movement. And, you know, I say this all the time. I think Trump is throwing a way better party than us for men, right? He is making it fun and celebratory. And you can come in, whatever you say, whatever you do. We don't care. We don't care. Fine. We see you. And we, our policies are better. And by our, I mean, progressive policies yeah. are better for, for men. Um, they, you know, when we talk about Medicare, when we talk about gun safety, there's a suicide epidemic in this country. And the vast majority of people who are dying from it are men. So I visited. Okay, stop. Uh, They'll just hang themselves if you don't give them guns. Yeah, or cut their wrists. Or cut No, their no, wrists. no. We don't want to address the actual cause of suicidal feelings. We just want to take away the means by which they commit suicide because maybe they'll be frustrated enough that they'll say, fuck it, I guess I'll just live another day or I'll just have to take some time to formulate a new way to kill myself. I'll just jump off a bridge or walk into traffic. Yeah. Yeah. All right state of, of Montana, where, you know, there's really, really skyrocketing suicide rates there. It's the second highest rate of suicide after Wyoming. And 80% of the people who die from suicide are men. Yeah. And there's a direct correlation with if a gun is available and accessible, you are far more likely to act on impulse and then to, to die from suicide, even though women are more likely to actually attempt suicide because men have access to these more violent means. It really it just it, yeah, women have equal access to guns. I'm sorry, bitch, but there is no law that says thou shalt freaking sell guns to men, but not women. Right. Women have equal access to guns. Yeah. And they also have equal access to rope. And, and uh, it's a very effective... And to, and to razor blades. And, and to, to carbon monoxide. And, and it's interesting she mentions female bridges. suicide because uh, women are now actually completing suicide at a greater rate than ever before. Yes. using rope. Oh, that means they're more affected. That, mean, that means they're more affected, Allison. It's actually a bigger well, yeah, problem. They're... Men must be doing Whatever. something to them. It, it doesn't... It doesn't... Okay. It doesn't freaking matter. What matters is the fact that it, it well, it doesn't matter. It's the, not the, the means. It's not it's the means. It's not the means. It's the decision. It's the decision. Right? And you choose the means based on your decision. And yes, if you don't have access to a gun, you're going to use a rope or a bridge or a building, right? Or, you know, a carbon monoxide, right? Yeah. You're You're going to use those relatively painless relatively quick uh means of doing it uh if you're if you're wanting to i guess swallow a bottle of pills and then mm -hmm. pills right 
Uh, that that's what women do. Yeah, typically. But the point typically. is that this doesn't address the actual reason why men are committing suicide. No, or why mm-hmm. women are committing suicide. No, it doesn't address anybody's. And if you listen to what men are actually saying, which I guess you guys don't, the reason why a lot of men get to that place is because they think they're a burden. So suicide makes sense because they're taking away the problem, which is them. And your solution, my dear, is to tell men that they're even more of a burden because they have toxic masculinity. When they're suicidal, they have toxic masculinity, which Mm -hmm. is really about hating women and not wanting to be feminine. Mm. Okay, let's keep going. Shotgun. Okay, five more that's minutes. That's just one little part of this. We, we have to talk about how our policies benefit women, benefit people of color. They also benefit white men. Yeah, I think there's a class piece as well yes. because it's easy to look at. How you about know, men of color? Successful. Um, they they figure that they have that covered because people who speak up for men like Jordan Peterson and Donald Trump, they're not talking about men of color. They're just talking about white men. So feminism claims that they own the conversation on men of color already, and they already care about them more than those bad, evil, no good, really bad, conservative, straight white men. So, yeah, that's or why men's rights it. activists, since we're yeah. actually talking directly about the problems, whereas conservatives still uh, are indirect in many ways. Okay. All right. Shotgun. white men and think that that's everyone. But there's mm-hmm. also a lot of class bias in this country that goes unnoticed and I think mm-hmm. plays into some of these dynamics as well. Absolutely. And you've always talked about class. Class is so incredibly important in all Here of this Here comes the communism. And it really reminds me of you know, the patriarchy's a pyramid scheme, right? That the patriarchy benefits uh, and, and rewards a man, certain men, right? This 1% right. actually of men. It, it really is a class conversation about... The- imagine, imagine for a moment that you believe patriarchy is real and yet it's only something that 1% of the men actually benefit from. I imagine believing those of those, both of those things at the same time. I actually walked through that when I was talking because you make a good point. I'm, you walked, I walked through that in my mind when I was talking to a feminist on Twitter. And I was like, well, okay, so toxic masculinity, what does it give men? Because what you're essentially saying is that suicidal men choose to be a burden on women, uh, which what is male privilege but a burden on women? Because it has mm-hmm. to come from somewhere at the expense of someone. And so they're choosing to be a burden on women uh, to get male privilege. So what exactly is the privilege that toxic masculinity gets men? Because obviously it doesn't unilaterally give a men a C-suite and a million dollars a year because there's only very few men who get that. So what is it that toxic masculinity gives the average man? Like it has to be every single man. Mm-hmm. And in particular, what does it give suicidal men that they're so wanting to keep versus getting help? For their problems and i i walked it through my mind and i'm like the only thing that what they're calling toxic the only way you can square that circle because this is incompatible things toxic masculinity suicidal men cling to toxic masculinity because it gives them male privilege what is that privilege well not every single man gets a c-suite and a million dollars in a year so what is it exactly that the privilege that they're getting well they're just getting the privilege of actually competing effectively in in this rat race so what you're essentially saying is that toxic masculinity is the privilege of putting your own needs second putting your own 
personal uh, well-being in the moment or your own personal drives in the moment, second, over pursuing a goal. Well, there's nothing stopping women from doing that either. So how is it? So anyway, I just got myself into the spaghetti mess, but it just, you inspired my, me telling you, saying this because of what you said, that only like 1% of men are on the top. Well, the only thing that toxic masculine, only privilege the talk so-called toxic masculinity gives men is the privilege of actually competing. And so basically toxic masculinity is the equivalent of athleticism for an Olympic athlete. You get, you, it gets you through the door. It doesn't get you anything further. Everything else is luck in your own drive and will to succeed, but you know, it gets you into the race, I suppose. Yeah. It, well, okay. You guys. Okay. Shotgun, move it. Move it. I, no, I got to go. I got to go. Okay. It, well, then it's, it's nine o'clock here. I have I to don't go. think that there's going to be anything of worth in the last 30 seconds, right? Uh, let's, I'll just play the rest. Karen, you, you can go. Okay. Go, 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 Karen. Just, I'll, I'll wait out the last 30 seconds. Okay. This, this, this hierarchy, we often talk about the hierarchy where, you know, we assume men are on top, white people are on top and women, people of color, trans people, non-gender non, uh, binary people. But there's also a hierarchy just within men. And that's the male code. That's the thing that is kind of like Fight Club when I would talk to men, that being a man, the number one rule was that you didn't talk about it, hmm. that you didn't acknowledge the way that, yes, there's violence and there's policing of men towards women. There's also a lot of that from men to man. Yeah. Okay, what? But no policing, policing of women towards men, of course, because, hey, that we couldn't actually hold women accountable for or perceive their, uh, their the ways they they construct society yeah or perceive their agency in any way shotgun brian do it blaze through it and a lot of men are not are being told that they're going to be rewarded when they act in a certain way that's aggressive that's you know all of the sort of hyper masculine ways that we assume in our society but, but they are rewarded by women they are rewarded the men who really benefit from that are white straight cis rich right donald trump became president oh my fucking god you whore um, you know Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's there's no baby daddy. Right. There's no fucking baby daddy. In slums of fucking Chicago. Right. Black guy who's got 16 fucking kids by 14 different moms. Right. That that doesn't happen. That right. does. And, and he's not paying any child support because his income's all from dealing drugs. So it's all off the books. Right. There, there's no man like that. No. Who managed to bed fourteen women and sire sixteen kids? Is that that never happened? I like to point something else out. All of those qualifiers are their qualifiers except one, which is male. So have they considered that maybe they got the cart before the horse? Maybe the reason why those are the most successful men is because of them. It's because those are the men that they choose. Yeah, mm -hmm. you think? You think? And yep. think that and not just that, but they are the architects of the oppression of every other man that they do not choose. Yeah. Like I mean, if you look at gay, what 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 was the what was the problem with gay men? Well, they didn't provide for women. They weren't in relationships with women. What's the problem with black men? Well, they're a threat to white women. What's the problem with trans men? Well, they're taking away white or 
sorry, women's and they're, they're going to assault women in the bathroom. Yeah, they're going to assault all of these things, all of these oppressions of every class. What's wrong with poor men? Well, poor man can't support a woman, right? And she, he's not going to take care of his kids. And, and he probably is a rapist, too, just like black men. You know, and all of the, in every single case, the treatment of these men is because they are not useful to you women. You, and you specifically, the cis het, uh, the cis het white women who are wealthy on top of the curve, they are not useful to you. They don't serve you. They are a threat to you. And all of the subjugation of those groups of men is a result of the fact that you in the past, women like you in the past, chose that or said that they were not acceptable to you. All right. What do you uh, think Emmett Till? How do you think Emmett Till happened? Okay. Shotgun. Is there anything right. left? I'm sure that's a little bit. Credit. Yeah, there's just a little bit. Sean Pfizer is still probably in that 1%, but he ended up on Dancing with the Stars, Being right? Virtually humiliated on Dancing I with mean, the Stars. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think that's the trick of Donald Trump. I think that's the trick of a lot of people throughout the history of this country is getting essentially poor white people, poor yes. white men yeah. to support the agenda yeah. of their race or their gender yeah. rather than yeah. sort of sticking with their um, their class. Right. Because if that if that happened, then they would be unstoppable. Um, the book is great. It's Okay, that's it. They're wrapping up. So yeah, they're just dividing men into what? like small what? smaller slices. If all. if they stuck with their class, right? Because because the progressives don't divide anything up by race, right? They don't divide anything up by sexuality or gender. sexual orientation or gender identity. They or don't sex. divide anything up, these progressives, or uh, class. By, by those things, too. right? Class, class privilege is the only fucking documentable privilege. I'm sorry, it is. And that's not me coming in and saying, you know, I'm a Marxist and eat the rich. Re, you know, like I'm I'm not saying that, right? I I don't I don't think that I literally called uh contrapoints on this idea that, you know, like she she scoffed at, you know, wealth hatred, you know, like um hatred of the prejudice against the wealthy, right? And and I'm like, uh yeah, because you know that genocides happen, have happened because people were envious of what other people had. Um, that that yeah, that's happened. Um, you know, the, the whole Marxist project was uh, a, a Has project. Has there actually been a genocide of the poor in the same way as they like genocided kulaks? Yeah, no, there there has never been a genocide. Well, not a targeted genocide of the poor. There have been genocides for most of the genocides of the poor have been. Yeah, we have stockpiles of food, uh, but you're a problem population. So we're just going to let you starve. Right. So that was the Irish potato famine. That was uh, the situation in Mogadishu in Somalia, um, you know, Ethiopia, right? The government is like, yeah, we have we have plenty of food to feed everybody, but you know, you're a problem population, right? You're a peasant uprising or whatever, and so we're just gonna starve you out, right? So yes, there there have been genocides of 
the genocides of the poor don't tend to happen by machete or machine gun. They tend to happen by withholding of food. Famine. Right? Yeah, starvation. Yeah. Orchestrated famine. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, so... All right, gotcha. So- yeah. But but when when you're looking at genocides, you also see this common issue where it, it's like, and this is why this is why the British government didn't go and slaughter uh, by gun or sword the Irish during the potato famine. They just didn't. They just didn't send them any food. Okay, I got you. I, okay, right, because enough. because to 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 actually overtly attack to go on the offensive and murder those people would never be acceptable. It would never be considered acceptable because they're poor. They're poor and they're vulnerable, right? So what did the British government do? They just kind of, yeah, we just, we don't have any food to give you. Right. And people starved. Um, all right. But but what was when, the point? What was the point? Because I, before I interrupted you with this, when when it comes to uh, when class. it comes to class, class right? When the it, only when identifiable it, real oppression is class privilege. Or, or, I wouldn't yeah, say privilege. I wouldn't say oppression, but yeah, privilege. Right? right? right. Is class privilege? Right? It's it's like you have money, you can get things. Right? You have money, yeah. you can acquire more. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this, the Pareto principle, right? Where uh, the more opportunities you have right now, the more you will get until the point where you can't even take advantage of the opportunities that are thrown your way, right? Once you become that successful, your success is, is a snowball effect, right? Whereas many people are left behind, right? So, I mean, none of this, is anything that that Jordan Peterson hasn't addressed. He's addressed income inequality um, as, you know, one of the primary uh, factors fueling um, uh, violence in societies, right? Okay, can I, I just want to say one thing. I thought you had to go. I do, I do, I do. I actually okay, do. I want to say one thing that actually builds on what you're saying, Karen. It builds on what you're saying. These individuals condemn Jordan Peterson for giving people an easy way, people who are given no value by society, some way of creating value for themselves by seeing themselves as being someone who can bring a little bit of order and beauty into the world. These individuals, unless these individuals are willing to grant those group that those people those incels, those rejected young men, those men, young men who have never heard a positive word in their life, unless they're willing to give those young men some kind of innate value, unless they're willing to do that, they should shut the fuck up because they're a bunch of cunts. Okay. All right. I have to go now. Yeah, okay. I know you have to go. We but, should wrap okay. this up. Do you want to do another feed the badger thing? And then All right. yeah, please, you guys, please you guys go do that. And I'm, I'm going to go. I'm really surprised that that hasn't like uh the um bye karen the fundra- bye karen the the fundraiser is there something going on like is it not are you not able to get through if you are having trouble with that just mention it in the comments and i'll so, once again dive into the wordpress or the the, the woocommerce and try not to uh 
try not to enter the pit of despair, which <sighs> usually results from dealing with WordPress. Regardless, go to www.feedthebadger.com. We only have about $565 left. Um, I'm surprised that we haven't managed to make it this, this, which is why I'm asking, are you guys able to go into and, and, and support? Because usually that, that's not the case. Anyway, go to feedthebadger.com. $5, $10, every little bit helps. So don't think you're, you're not, you know, if you only have $5. It's not really, you only have $5. Everybody, if everybody who has $5 went there and was like, yeah, I'm going to throw $5 in the hat. We'd already be funded by now. So please do go and help us out. Erasing families is about court systems, removing uh, loving parents, uh, siblings, grandparents from the lives of children. It's a very moving story. Like it follows uh, children who are reuniting with their estranged parents. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's a worthy cause and let's support it. So go there, feedthebadger.com, make it happen. And if you're in the Saskatoon, if in Saskatoon or the surrounding area, purchase a ticket and come to see it. All right, I'm done. Okay, so I guess I'll wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if you guys enjoyed this content, please hit that like button for us. And if you if you could just do it at the beginning, I should probably just say this in the beginning. I did. I have a little thing at the bottom there saying hit like subscribe to the channel. If you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications. Oh, I do have a super chat. I am really sorry, Alex. Uh, Alex Legas gave us a super chat earlier and he said our shop called Books for Boys T-shirts on Spotify or on Shopify ah, has, I think he means to say. So let me read this over again. He gave us $5. Thank you so much. He says our shop called Books for Boys T-shirts on Shopify has positive messages for boys. One dollar of every shirt goes to a Books for Boys classroom. All right, thank you, Alex. So if you guys could uh, subscribe to the channel, if you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications so you know when our shows go live and leave us a comment. Let us know what you guys think about uh, the discussion around Liz Plank's book and this kind of new brand of inclusive male positive, and I put that in quotes, <laughs> lots of quotes, uh, male positive feminism that she purports to have so let us know what you guys think about that in the comments um and yeah with that said i guess we're just gonna wrap this up so thank you guys for coming on this episode of the rant zerker and i'll see you the next time we go live which might not be for a little while because i'm gonna be up in saskatoon with jojo and Lindsay, and we're gonna be um doing the meetup and the panel and all that so hopefully i'll see some of you guys there have a good one everybody and we'll talk to you later Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.